I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Design an environment around you that makes it impossible not to succeed. Simon Alexander Ong. Simon Alexander Ong. Simon Alexander Ong is a personal development entrepreneur, coach, and public speaker. So, so when I talk about inner energy, it's really a process of understanding yourself. Doing good, Peter, and yourself? Yeah, yeah, really good, thank you, really good. Um, as we were saying just before we dived on, it's a pleasure to get you on the on the podcast because having read your book while I was on holiday, yeah, before we dive into the crux of the conversation, let's maybe start with who you are, what you do, and why. Sure, so... I was born here in the UK to two Malaysian Chinese parents who had emigrated uh, from Asia into the UK for better education. And as I grew up in the southeast of England, I had this mistaken belief at the time that success would be defined ultimately by my job title and the amount of money that I could earn. And so when I progressed through the British educational system and then got a place at university in London, my focus was on being either a banker, a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant. I, I settled on pursuing the route of being a banker after being inspired by films such as Boiler Room and Wall Street uh, and, and, and those sort of films because it helped to glamorize that particular field uh, in, in, in the mainstream. And so I started in the world of finance at what was probably the worst possible time uh, it was the middle of 2007, a year before the global financial crisis. And the company I started with was Lehman Brothers, uh, which collapsed 14 months after I joined. Now, while it was a very tough moment of my life, when your future aspirations, your hopes and dreams are swept away from under your feet, in hindsight, Peter, it was a beautiful blessing in disguise because it really kickstarted the journey to where I am today. Now, even though it took nearly 10 years before I quit the financial industry, it started the thought process of really trying to understand what I wanted out of life and mm -hmm. what success meant for me. And that eventually led me out of the corporate world and into what I now get to do today, which is to coach the likes of executives, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and everyone in between uh, to speak at some of the biggest companies and conferences across the planet, and more recently, get a book deal from Penguin, the world's largest publishing house, to write my first book, Energize, which was published in April 2022. 
Yeah, and like as I was saying before, it's it's a book that I picked up and and read, and I couldn't put it down to be honest. When when I was on holiday, I just thought it was like an amazing book. And can you tell me a little bit more about like what inspired you to write it? Sure. So one of the things I've discovered, Peter, is that when you pursue something that you are passionate about, opportunities start to present themselves in abundance. So so when I quit the corporate world and I said to myself. I want to build a thriving coaching practice. Nowhere in my head did I imagine that one day I would be writing a book or I would become a speaker. All I was focused on was being a successful coach. And so writing the book only came about when I was approached by a boutique publisher who was interested in having me write a book with them. Now, even though nothing came of that, for me, it felt like it was a sign from the universe saying, Simon, it's time to write a book. And so after that experience, I started to research about publishers and the process of writing and all the work that has to go into bringing a book to life. And it was the end of 2019 when I started to send emails out to publishers with no expectation of any response in return. And as the year turned into 2020, uh, which was a very interesting year for many of us with the COVID pandemic spreading across the planet. But as the year started for me, I got an email response back from Penguin. And they said to me, Simon, would you like to come to our offices on the Strand and to catch up over coffee? And I said, sure, let's do it. I went along with, again, no expectation of what was going to happen, very open-minded. And I just started to share a few ideas that I would focus on if I were to write a book. And then after weeks and months of back and forth on emails and phone calls, A few months later, just after we went into the first lockdown, I got an offer from Penguin to write my first book, which which was just incredible, Peter. You you know, I didn't care what would happen in terms of sales once a book was published. I was already grateful that I was able to get to a point where Penguin wanted to support my vision and they wanted to see me bring my ideas to life. Yeah, and it's... It's an amazing book, as I, as I said. I think when I was reading it, I, I tweeted to you um, one of my favorite quotes that I took out of it, and, and it was, you may not be able to travel back in time and change what has already happened, but you can certainly begin today to change the trajectory of tomorrow. And I just mm. thought that was one of the most powerful and profound lines that I've kind of heard in a long time. So can you tell me a little bit more about, like, kind of the structure of the book and, you know, how, I guess, like, how do you go about transforming energy to transforming your life because that was kind of one of the central premises of it definitely so so when i when i was going through the process of writing the book i drew on so many of the influences that i myself had as a reader so i've been inspired when when i think about storytelling i've been inspired by the books such as the go-giver by bob berg and john david mann uh robin sharma's books uh the the books by paolo coelho Uh, What I loved about those books were the ability of the authors to bring to life wisdom and lessons through the artist's story. But then I also enjoyed the practical approach from books such as Think and Grow Rich or The Magic of Thinking Big. And then those sort of books that really got you practicing the, uh, the wisdom that they were sharing. And so what I wanted to do in writing Energize was I wanted to create a narrative through the book in which I could weave together storytelling, insights, lessons, but also practical exercises where readers could put some of that new knowledge into action. And so that's what I really wanted to 
focus on when I wrote the book. In terms of the next question on energy, how we can transform our life and career by transforming our energy, the way I see energy is really through four dimensions. It's our physical, it's our mental, it's our emotional, and it's our spiritual. But it all begins with our physical energy. That is why the first chapter of my book begins with that. Because the fact is, without your health, you can't do much else. And for, for many of us, we have to stop making our health a side hustle. Yeah. When you are healthy, you have lots of hopes, dreams, and goals. But when you are sick, you have only one. And so for me, when I think about physical health, it's our sleep, it's our movement, and it's our nutrition. Now, once we address those baseline levels of physical energy, what happens is we can then build on top of that by developing and nurturing and protecting our mental, emotional, and spiritual energy. Yeah, definitely. And it's something that really resonates with me because kind of I know that if, if for example, fitness, if I don't have fitness inbuilt into my day-to-day, like I become very, very cranky. And it's it's not... It, it, you know, at the end of the day, you want to have a multitude. It's about balance, I guess. It's mm. that balance towards striving towards your um, professional goals and then equally the the personal goals. Like, what do you attribute success? And for me, like happiness is success. You want to found mm. a career, a life around the pursuit of happiness. And like, what makes me happy? Like family, friends, um, fitness, and also in, in the work that I do. So I know that I often talk about like pillars, but having these like pillars mm. to my own personal life, um, if if you're kind of missing one of them, I know that sometimes I'm often overly focused on profession rather than um, personal fitness. And then because of that, yeah, like it, it has negative consequences. So I think that whole understanding of awakening your inner power, your inner energy, I think that a lot of that, yeah, you're right. It comes with like nutrition, comes with, um, fitness and mm-hmm. I guess overarching a balance. Definitely. Um, I mean, the thing is, these these aren't new. These aren't some breakthrough insight. These are things we hear again and again and again. Get sufficient rest. Make sleep a priority. Move your body on a regular basis and eat well. What you eat determines your energy. The thing is, we as humans, we tend to overcomplicate things. We think it can't be that easy. And so we go off trying to research something more complicated than the simple ideas I share. When in fact, actually, if we just focus on the basics and we get that right and we're consistent about them, then we have a powerful foundation of energy to to build upon. I guess like also in your book, you talk about discovering your like inner energy. Can you share a little bit more about like the process of self-discovery and finding that inner energy? Yeah. So, so when I talk about inner energy, it's really a process of understanding yourself. So in, in one of the early chapters, I mentioned this uh, statement that the longest journey we as humans make are the inches from our heads to our hearts. And that is because as we grow up, what happens is that we, we seek validation from other people. Mm. And because we seek validation from other people, whether they are our parents, our colleagues, our friends, our bosses, or even society at large, what happens is that we fall into the trap of doing something not for ourselves, but doing something for others. But when we begin to understand and have clarity on what success means to us, 
what fulfillment looks like and what sort of impact you want to have, then we awaken one of the greatest sources of energy that there is going. And as a result, we show up each day with that energy, which comes in the form of commitment, consistency, patience, and perseverance. Yeah, 100%. And I think, uh, you know, that, that consistency is key as well. Uh, um, um, mm. I would say that a lot of, when it comes to failure, like a lot of people fail fast because of the ability to miss that consistency within their lives and you know with inconsistency you can build up that kind of those calluses those like levels um within your day-to-day routines that support that that growth journey so yeah when i when i did read your book there was a there was a lot to me in respect to like the science of energy that was really intrigued by as Mm -hmm. well so can you explain a little bit more about that concept to our audience and why i guess it's important for us to understand this Sure. So I think understanding the nature of energy is critical because what happens when we think about productivity is the first thing that comes to mind tends to be time management. Hmm. Now, of course, managing your time is a great skill. But the issue is, is that if you don't manage your energy first, it doesn't matter how good a time manager you are. You may be time rich, but if you're energy poor, you're just going to waste that time. You're going to end up procrastinating in the time that you do have. However, if you are energy rich, even if you're time poor, you're going to get more done in that short time than most would with much more time than you have. So that's why energy management is the first step to actually showing up in the way that you want. And when it comes to understanding the science, it's really understanding your own energetic river. So you will have heard people saying, I'm a morning person, or I'm a, I'm a night owl. Now, what they're really saying is that my energy is higher in the morning, or my energy is higher in the evening. So once you begin to understand your own river, at what periods of the day do you naturally have higher levels of energy? And when do you have lower levels of energy? You can begin working with your body and not against it. So during those periods when you have high levels of energy, you can schedule your most important tasks. And when you have periods of low energy, you can do the the more administrative tasks, or you can do activities that will help reset and rejuvenate you so you come back with more energy than you had in those periods that you've had to disconnect. Yeah, I remember when I was reading the book, you were talking about manage your energy, not your time. And like, mm. I guess, speaking from the work that you do today, how, how do you advise and help your clients and your the people that you support, the businesses that you support to protect their personal energy and also super t- supercharge their impact? Sure. So I would say the first exercise I get them to do is to write down two lists. In the first list, it is to write down all the things that give you energy. So those things could be people, places, things, tasks, or projects. All of those things that give you energy, write them down. And then in the second list, you write down all the things that drain you of energy. Again, tasks, people, places, things, projects, and so on. Now, once you've got those two lists, the first thing to reflect on is, which of those lists do you spend most of your attention on? Now, for most of us, it's very insightful because we begin to realize that we focus a lot of our time on the things that drain us of energy. But imagine if we were to 
we focus our attention on the things that give us energy. So once we have clarity on that, the next step is how do we communicate that to the people around us and how do we address that? So to give an example, if moving your body on a regular basis gives you energy, but you're not doing that, then that's a big sign that there's things you have to shift in your lifestyle. And again, if one of the things that gives you energy is speaking in front of a room, but you're not really doing that, then that's something to communicate to your boss or your team that you would like to do more things where you have the opportunity to speak in front of a room. So just doing that simple exercise will not only give you an insight as to how you currently spend your energy, but also how you can shift it so you do more of the things that give you energy. And as a result, you're going to be even more energized. Yeah, for sure. I think that one of the key elements I took from the book was, you know, obviously about mindset and in respect Mm. to mindset, like our minds are both our biggest challenges and our biggest opportunities. And, you know, when you look at the challenges that we see today bearing in mind the adversity within society like how i guess like many people they struggle to remain optimistic during these times so how do you help your clients in these turbulent markets to remain positive and cultivate a positive mindset sure i think the first thing i do is to get them to understand or at least appreciate that we live in the feeling of our thinking moment to moment to moment. So what I mean by that is what you bring into your thinking, you bring into your reality. So if you bring negative energy into your thinking, your reality is going to be very negative. If you bring positive energy into your thinking, your reality is going to be very positive. Now, ultimately, what I'm trying to say here is that events are just events. An event is not happy or sad. An event is not good or bad. If your car crashes by hitting a lamppost, your car doesn't get angry or sad. Your car doesn't get frustrated. But what happens as humans is we have to attach a meaning to what happened. And that is why one event could be great for some people, but it might be bad for others. So it's simply to have the awareness to pause, reflect, and choose your response rather than get caught up in the emotion of an event or experience. Yeah, definitely. And bearing in mind the challenges that we see today, like there's a lot of people that talk about, I don't know if you've come across the work of Moses Naeem in respect to Mm. polarization, populism, post-truth, and also bearing in mind the, the large scale of inequality that we see throughout the world. So there is evident challenges, but then equally... Mm. I don't know if you've seen the work of Ari Wallach, but I'm really motivated by his viewpoint in respect to a shifting towards like the long path over the shortcut. Mm. And the same could be said within business rather than like looking at these kind of short term cycles of quarterly outlooks, etc. If we look more towards a longer duration of time and have more of a focus towards a a longer goal, so, uh, something that takes time to cultivate, that takes time to be nurtured and takes time to mm. be reflected upon then yeah like it does take away some of the short-term stresses in my opinion but i'd love to get your take on that in respect to you know your overarching view on the long longer term outlook versus the short term 
Absolutely, Peter. I, I, I could not agree more. In fact, one of the concepts I, I often share with clients and audiences is that if you want to stack the odds of success in your favor, whether it is your life journey or whether it is your professional journey, then this is the approach I recommend. Think in decades, plan in months, execute daily. So think in decades, plan in months, execute daily. Because when you think in decades, what happens is you understand the importance of consistency and patience. When you plan in months, you give yourself strategy. When you execute daily, you are taking those small steps required to make that vision a reality. And, and here's the thing about small, consistent steps. If you take just one step forward each day, a year from now, that is 365 steps forward. Just imagine where you could be. Yeah, definitely. It reminds me very much of um, the British cycling team and those 1% that they look towards in respect to day-to-day day mm. actions and those kind of subtle shifts in respect to not everything could be achieved within a day, but ultimately that whole desire to grow and develop on a day-to-day -day basis, to learn and evolve on a day-to-day -day basis. If you then assess that over mm. a year, how far have you grown in a year? Over five years, how far comparing and contrasting yourself to the past five years to year to date, how far have you evolved? And also have more of a, you know, a, an outlook in respect to shaping your destiny on decades. Then you do have a real opportunity to change your outlook, change your perspective and change your life. And I think that that's, that's something that I really resonate and, um, I'm powered by, and I think mm. that um, I'm intrigued as to what you would say to people that are maybe in the early stages of this. Like, how do they, if somebody that knows that they should be shifting their mindset, what are some of the key practical tools and tips that I guess you sure. would be able to help them harness and bolster more energy, consistency, focus, and meaning, and I guess also purpose within their everyday life and moment? Sure. So before I jump to the to, 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 to that question, I just want to echo something you've said, which is about this long term thinking, because Alan de Botton once said, he said that if you are not embarrassed by who you were last year, you're not growing enough. And it got me thinking, because if we are growing every single day, a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, when you look back at the person you were, you become a little embarrassed because you've grown so much that you almost don't recognize the person you were three, five years ago. And, and when I look at my own journey, Peter, you know, it's been 10 years now since I first started studying towards coaching qualifications on the side of my full-time job. And each year that I've continued, each year that I persisted and stayed in the game, I've noticed so many people around me drop out. So many people have given up and gone home. And that's why I think consistency is so important. It is unsexy, but it's a very powerful habit for success. And going back to your question about people early in their journey, what can they do for their mindset at a practical level? First thing you can do, design an environment around you 
that makes it impossible not to succeed. Design an environment around you that makes it impossible not to succeed. So what I mean by this is the people you are spending time with, the books that you're reading, the podcasts that you're listening to, the shows that you're watching, even the physical spaces that you spend time in. All of these things have an influence on your subconscious. If your environment is aligned to where and who you want to be, guess what? The habits and the rituals and the standards you need will quickly become your normal. You know, there's a great analogy I share, Peter, that goes, if you spend time with five multi-millionaires, you will be the sixth in no time. If you spend time with five of your most successful friends, you'll be the sixth in no time. And if you spend time around five of the healthiest friends you know, you will be the sixth in no time. That is the power of environment. Yeah, 100%. I remember Andrew Huben talking about um, the psychoanalysis <clears throat> term of the interject. Like, mm. And I, I, for one, definitely changed my outlook in respect to this, this particular piece that I'm about to talk about that you're able to utilize the wisdom, the insight, that kind of knowledge from others and depending upon the circles that you swim in. Because mm -hmm. in his respect, he was talking about the learnings and inspiration that he was able to harbor from people like Rich Roll. And I, I'm exactly the mm -hmm. same. I remember I picked up Rich Roll's book, Finding Ultra, a couple of years ago. And yeah, it, it totally changed my outlook to towards who I was chasing. And I think a lot of people mm -hmm. can be stuck within those, sadly stuck in those um those elements of comparison paralysis whereby they look at others and think, Oh, well, you know, I should be the next, whoever it may be. And mm -hmm. they're, they're at that, they're at that stage of their journey. And why, aren't, why aren't I achieving the same levels of success? And, you know, it's true what you said earlier about people dropping off, people do drop off, but then yeah. when you do change your mindset towards a little bit more inward focus to begin with and um, utilizing the wisdom of the external, such as those, if you're circling within groups of millionaires and by all means that, yeah. that, or if you're looking for wisdom and insights from others, such as like Rich Roll in my case, that I took a lot of solace from, then you, the action piece comes down to you. Yes, you can take a lot of wisdom mm -hmm. from others, but in time, when you look back, you realize actually you were the person that implemented those changes in your own lives. And you were the person mm. that decided to get on that treadmill every day and, and start like clocking up the miles because you had an inward desire to change your outlook, change your fitness and change your life in respect to what you were trying to evolve into. And yeah, like it, the interjection is a, is a massive piece for me. And I, I do think that a lot of people can be, inspired rather than overwhelmed when they start looking towards people from a supportive stance rather than from a comparative stance. Mm. And, and, and I think that's very important what you said there, Peter, because when we live in a world where the first thing we tend to open each morning are our social media apps, it can be so easy to compare where we are to where someone else is. But I think what is healthier is instead of comparing where someone else is to you approach where they are with curiosity mm -hmm. so instead of saying i want to be where he or she is and why aren't i there which is not productive at all instead of you ask questions such as what are they doing 
that has got them where they are today? What are they doing well that I can learn from? What happens is that you start to learn and codify the behaviors, the habits, and the skills that have got them that success. So you embrace what they're doing well rather than comparing your journey today to them. So you're getting the good bits of looking at the people that inspire you rather than getting sucked into comparison, which is only going to make you feel a little more negative about where you are right now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. For sure, and you know you're you're right in respect to that consistency piece, but also the building of resilience is is key. So I'd be interested mm. to understand how people may utilize, energize, and and energy to build resilience, embrace opportunities, and overcome the challenges that they face. Yeah. So when it, when it comes to resilience, <clears throat> the key here is to approach setbacks with humility. The challenge for us is that when you approach setbacks with ego, it only serves to suck your energy away. So if you had a failure or a setback and you say to yourself, why me? Why did this have to happen to me? Why why is it never working out for me? That is coming from a place of ego. But if you come from a place of humility and ask yourself things such as, what is this trying to teach me? Who can I learn from so that I can come back stronger? What are the lessons that I need to heed in order to improve? 
Who do I need to learn from so I avoid this next time? What happens is that you're embracing the mindset of an eternal student. When this happens, your mind is far more empowered and energized to focus on the way forward. So when you approach situations in that way, you naturally deepen your resilience. It reminds me of the, uh, the saying that I share in, in one of my chapters by Murakami. When, when he wrote down the fact that when the storm is over, you won't know if the storm is truly over. You won't even know how you made it through. But what is certain is that the person that came out of the storm is different to the person that went into the storm. And that is the purpose of the storm. So if you approach your storms with humility over ego, what happens is those storms will make you a far stronger and more resilient human being. Yeah, 100%. I'm intrigued. So talking about the premise of, of storms, looking back at your own journey, your own evolution, mm. um, and all like the elements of wisdom and insight that you've, that you've gauged over the years, how do you compare and contrast to the person that you were in that kind of finance career, that finance background, to who you are today? And what are you most proud of? Well, I think the most proud of question is probably the, the very easy one to, to, to respond to first, because I think I'm most proud of having the courage to leave a career that I thought was going to make me successful and pursue something that was full of uncertainty, full of unknowns, and embrace the, uh, the life of an entrepreneur. I think that transition is something I'm most proud of. Because the reality is it wasn't easy. You, you, you know, on the outside, it may look easy. Simon left his corporate job, started a career in business, and is now where he is today. But behind the scenes, there are a lot of challenges, mentally, emotionally, and, and sometimes physically. And so to have made that transition and kept to that journey and have been patient with the process I think that's the, the thing I'm most proud about. In terms of comparing and contrasting who I was when I was in my fin financial career and who I am today, I think that I'm a lot more open-minded mm -hmm. than who I was before. And I'm certainly more confident than I was then. Because if you had asked me when I was working in, in, in the city here in London, to speak in front of hundreds of thousands of people, I would not have put myself forward. But that is exactly what I'm doing today. I'm traveling around different cities in the world. I'm speaking at companies and conferences to hundreds, if not thousands of people, sharing some of my insights that I've learned along the way. Yeah, I think one of the things that intrigued me about what you've just said was the element of challenge because a lot of people that will be listening to this will take a lot of solace from the work that you've done but then equally that there's mm. that whole second layer in respect to the challenges that you face that you may be able to articulate now to mm. show people that, that you know there's no pathway is is straightforward there's ups and downs mm. there's ebbs and flows but it's being able to kind of ride those seeds of change in order to evolve so i'm intrigued as to you know Maybe if you could work over some of the challenges 
that you've experienced and, and how you've grown through that? Yeah, so, so first of all, challenges are, as you rightly point to, Peter, challenges are an inevitable part of any journey where you are embarking on that journey for the first time, where it is completely new to you and there's no reference point. But some of the challenges that I faced in, in my life that has shaped me into who I am today, but has also influenced my journey, include things such as losing my mum when I was 17 years old uh, to a tragic accident, which certainly changed my outlook on life and, and some of the choices that I was making, failing my second year of university. And so ha- I had to reset my second year. A three-year degree became a four-year degree. And I couldn't apply for jobs in a normal way, so I had to be creative as to how I got a job after graduation. Going through redundancy within the first 14 months of my career, starting a business where I lost a number of clients in my first year for different reasons. And I had to work out a way to build myself back. And then expanding internationally when I had no experience of doing anything beyond London or or even my own country, that was a challenge in itself. And balancing raising a, a newborn with adapting my business during COVID while having to write a 65,000 word book with no family or support around, yeah. that was one of the most one of the most challenging years in my career of, of, of being a business person. So those are just a sample of some of the challenges that I faced to show that we're all human. We're all going to face challenges. The question isn't whether you're going to face a challenge or not. The question is, how are you going to respond to the many challenges that you will face? Yeah, 100%. And like as a, as a father myself, I think that, a lot of people look upon it, from that back to that comparison paralysis that we see a lot of people look towards other people on social media and they kind of take the fact that they're doing whatever it may be in the definitions of, of visually a successful person but behind mm. the closed doors like everybody has their own challenges that they face but yeah i'm 100 with you in respect to how do you respond to challenge because like when when the pandemic hit and we had our first son Albi, um, it was it was a crazy period for everybody. <laughs> and and you know like you're working through the realities of being a first time parent, and and then subsequent to that, like I wrote a few kids books during that period of time, and mm. then we had twins, and it was a bit of a turbulent start to their lives. And I think that above and beyond all of that, you just keep on going. I think mm-hmm. like there's there's a lot can be said in my opinion for for the whole freedom of the chase. So if you look at mm-hmm. um people like Matthew McConaughey, like I, I really enjoyed his book. <laughs> yeah. Um is it Green Light? I, I think it's called. And um mm-hmm. that that ability to who who are you who you're chasing. And he was always chasing himself and who mm-hmm. he wants to become in like five years' time, chase that guy down. And when he gets to that p- position in time reflect and see okay like i want to see what the guy five years from now looks like and keep on chasing mm-hmm. like you you're able to kind of grow with changing grow with the change of time that evolves yeah. around you so i think that you know that that ever that ever constant of 
the underlying whim that you want to become a better version of yourself, then if you are more open to that as a perspective and that as a goal, then you will evolve, you will change, you, you, you will face challenge, but then you'll equally, you will equally come through it. And that's the thing that I'd love to see more people doing and not like be overwhelmed by a challenge, but understand that mm. it's a sh- largely a short-term challenge. And in the long term, if you're able to like lean into challenge rather than run from it, then yeah, like we're, we're going to evolve into better, yeah. more resilient people going forward. And, and that's why I think for me, when, when people ask me about goals, I, I don't set as many goals now as I used to because I focus much more on a vision and the habits and systems I have in place each day. But the one goal I say is the most important goal to focus on if you're going to focus on a goal, is to simply be better than who you were yesterday. Now, if you are consistently better than who you were yesterday, guaranteed, you will get the reward. The question is when, not if. But if you're constantly focused on how can I be better than who I was yesterday? How can I be better than who I was yesterday? Just a little bit. Then very quickly, you're going to see the rewards flood your way. Yeah, definitely. And, and that desire just to be better than who you were yesterday is, um, you know, it's, it's simple, but it's effective. And mm. a lot of people look towards like, you, know, you often get people at the end of a year, what's my New Year's resolution going to be? But if, if it's something as simple as just to improve on the previous year or improve on mm. each day, then, you know, that's so open-ended that it allows you to kind of grow and evolve with the test of time. And that that's the best part of it, in my opinion, mm. that just desire to be a better version of yourself and, and that that evolution i guess like looking into the art and science of energy management mm-hmm. you know we've talked about being a better version of yourself but what are the transformation methods that you've implemented i guess with your clients uh, have led them to evolve achieve their dreams and their, and achieve their overarching goals mm, for me the uh, so if i look at so we've touched on physical energy uh, I, I've touched a bit on mental energy with sort of the mindset we have to cultivate, the resilience. Uh, spiritual energy is all about purpose. So I think that's another area I work with my clients and is really understanding what the success means to you and how will you know you would have lived a fulfilling life because I think that only when you know the answers to that does it give you something to focus on, but also the challenge becomes for you to build your life around those answers. But when it comes to emotional energy some practical things to do is number one embrace what i call gratitude with intention now what i mean by that is it's one thing to write down the things that you're grateful for but it's another to express it to people when was the last time that you dropped someone a call gave them a voice note just to tell them how grateful you are for them for many of us it's never or if we have done it it's been a very long time since we did it so for me writing or sending voice notes on a regular basis to express gratitude you have for someone can be profound, not just for the person receiving it, but for you, the sender. So that's one of the things that can contribute to healthier emotional energy. The other activity that we can do is to make time just to be. You know, we're very quick at saying yes to a, a meeting invite in the calendar or yes to a social event or yes to a holiday. But how quick are we to say yes to me time? 
to blocking out me time in our diary just to be, just to live. Because otherwise what happens is that we end up living as if we are never going to die and then die having never really lived. So when we can be more in the present by disconnecting and enjoying the simple and often free things in life, that's what gives us more meaning. That's what makes us feel that we are actually living rather than just existing. You look at some of the the biggest breakthroughs in science, whether it's gravity, Isaac Newton, apple falls on his head under a tree, Archimedes sitting in the bathtub, Eureka moment, Thomas Edison fishing with no bait, so no one, not even the fish, would disturb him. There's a reason why these things happened. Because they made time just to be. They disconnected. They slowed down. They spent time in solitude. And they understood this. Silence is far from empty. It is full of the answers and the wisdom that we seek. And so really the question is, how can we prioritize more time for yourself, for us, just to be? From your experience, like I, I know my take on it, but I'd I'd love to get your take on on how do people prioritize time just to be, and also I guess like prioritize what their outlooks may be for the future as well. Mm, I think simply put, it's to block out time for you and give it as much importance as your meetings. You know, if you've got a meeting put in your calendar by your boss or a colleague or a customer you're not going to let something else come into your diary because you've got it blocked out, you've committed to that meeting. Now, if you block out me time and you give it the same importance, you can then start building your life around that. The thing is, when you don't schedule it, there will always be something else that will come into your diary. And then suddenly your diary becomes full. Back-to-back meetings, back-to-back calls, back-to-back events. And so you quickly have no time for yourself. So the thing is, put those blocks in your calendar first, and then you can build your life and your week around it. Yeah, it's it, it's like noise over impact. Like I know from mm. my from my own experience, um, I don't start work until generally about like half ten, eleven. I I block out the start of the day so I can drop my kid off at nursery, so I can do some yeah. fitness, so I can spend some time with my wife and our two twins, and um, then I'll start work, and then following that. I think one of the best pieces of advice I've ever been given was look at your calendar and look at your diary and ask yourself, is that a task that, or is that a meeting or is, or is that whatever it may be? Is that particular element that's taking up your time? Is that future focused, past focused or present focused? And mm. anything that's generally past focused, then you should be questioning as to the relevance of allocating your time to it. There might be Mm. some things where it might be a reflection of, you know, past performances from a business perspective, but largely our gaze should be focused upon the gift of the present and also the future that we plan to shape. And that can be done as simply as reflecting those motives within where Mm. we allocate our time. And I think that a lot of people, yeah, like it, it, you can challenge very simply the premise of a lot of meetings by that 
simple gaze like is it past present or future focused and um mm. if you can shift that gauge towards things that are going to be more beneficial for your outlook for for the future and also the present then yeah like you, you will see those subtle small changes within your life and you'll start building and mm. compounding that change because that's another benefit when you can compound change over time it, it grows and it evolves it gets bigger and then it, it's reflected within the impact you have within the world yeah, it reminds me, Peter, of the saying, and I, and I don't recall off my head who said it, but there's a saying that goes, if you want to see how rich and wealthy someone really is, look at their calendar. Because when you look at somebody's calendar, it tells you how much freedom they truly have. Because the more space you have in your calendar, the wealthier you are, because you get to choose how you spend your time. But if your calendar is packed, then you are living hostage hmm. to other people's calendars. And so for me, that was really insightful because it showed me when we think about energy management, when we think about productivity, it's not always about doing more, but very often it's about doing less of the tasks, the projects, the behaviors and the choices that are holding us back. Yeah, 100%. From the work that you've done, like, let's take a, a specific look at your, your book, Energize. Is there a particular action or sp specific mindset or take that you want the reader to shift, I guess, in respect to what you're trying to achieve? Mm. I think there's something I share in the second chapter that I think is very powerful for readers to reflect on. And it's this... It's this appreciation that we have already won the greatest lottery ticket there is going. You, you know, a lot of us wish we would win the national, the regional lottery. But in fact, we've already won the greatest lottery, which is the lottery of life. I mean, the fact that we are born is a miracle event in itself. When you think about your parents deciding to have a child and you were that child, your parents being able to have children, your great Grandparents, we were great great grandparents surviving multiple pandemics and world wars, and that you are continuing the lineage of your family history. You have won the greatest lottery ticket there is going. The question for you is what are you going to do with that winning ticket of yours? And I think that question for readers to reflect on. We're so lucky to be here. So, kind of mm. the the viewpoint as to what we're trying to achieve whilst we are here during this given moment that we we have the opportunity to to live and exist it's what what do we want to drive what do we want to do mm. what do we want to impact and i think that um i'm intrigued because there's a lot of people within society today that especially like you know people that are generations a little bit younger than than me like i'm i'm 40 so like my viewpoint about anything is largely a deep desire to impact upon the world and mm. that that impact is to push for something that lasts longer than i do um and make that a positive contribution to this to this planet and i think that however that comes about um i think that's a that's something that i would largely like a lot more people to look to achieve like if you if you go into mm. work 
and your desire is just to take home a wage, then, you know, that's fine. But I would question, you've, you're really missing an opportunity. Like we, money is just part of, of what makes the world go around. But when we start shifting mm. more towards a lens of, of impact and legacy and, you know, beyond the why to the what exactly we want to achieve, um, I think, yeah, like we, we can bring society forward. And I think a lot of the challenges that we face today, it can be, they can all be remediated by that collective mm. action. Um, so I just want people to push, push themselves really to see, see that, you know, like the world is full of opportunities rather than full of challenges. And how do you want to be part of this evolution? How do you want to dictate um, your stamp upon this world and um you know like push for positivity rather than um negativity and i think yeah we we have a, a lot of hope if we if we shift the lens that way definitely and, and i think what you are describing there peter is this journey from career virtues to legacy virtues you, you know when we're young and we're just starting out in the world of work we spend a lot of time focused on building up our career virtues which are things such as the, the company or the brand that you work for, your status or your position, how much money you earn, your accolades, your achievements, because these are things we put on our CV or we like to show off to other people. But as we grow older and wiser, what we come to appreciate is that career virtues don't matter nearly as much as your legacy virtues. And your legacy virtues are things such as the story you wrote, the impact that you had on the lives of other people. How will you be remembered? You know, how did you pay it forward? These are things that people would talk about long after your, your life, not the career virtues. You know, nobody's going to stand up in a room in a church at your funeral and say, hey, you, you know, you, this person worked the longest hours, this person earned the most in their community, and this person worked for the biggest company in the world. They're going to be talking about your legacy virtues, how you inspired, how you energized, how you empowered. Those softer skills are what contributes to legacy and meaning. Yeah, 100%. Looking at like legacy virtues and also the future, obviously the, the elements that we've described here is akin to what you say in the book in respect to life is about the journey rather than the, des the destination. Mm. So looking at like the journey of life and, and what's next for you, what are your future goals? What, I guess, what are your perceptions of what the future may hold and um, what's next on the horizon? Sure. So the way I, I like to think about this, Peter, is that there are a few things that I'm exploring, uh, but at the same time, I embrace this uh, mindset of being attached to no outcome and open to everything. So I'm not attached to whether it happens or not. I'm just focused on enjoying the process. So for me right now, a couple of the things that I'm exploring is putting together a dining experience inspired by my book. So to give you a bit of background, when I, when I published my book, I partnered with a hotel in London to create a cocktail named after my book called the Energized Cocktail. So if you walked into this bar at the Connaught Hotel in London's Mayfair and you ordered the Energized Cocktail, it would be presented on a copy of my book. And then we did a we did an event in the metaverse. 
And now I'm looking to create a dining experience, which is inspired by the concepts of my book. So that's one of the projects I'm, I'm exploring. And then another project I would love to do is to translate my work onto the uh, small or the big screen. So the small screen would be on one of the streaming platforms and the big screen would be through either a documentary or, or a film. So again, it's something that I'm starting to look into, uh, but, uh, but I'm just focused on learning and seeing where it goes. Yeah, definitely. I think um, one of the questions that comes to my head when I'm listening to you speak is, I would be intrigued to understand if you jumped another 10, 15 years ahead, what would you hope that your future self would A, say to you today, and also B, will have achieved? Well, in terms of achieved, that's going to be a hard one because even if I asked myself that question going back 10 years, I would never have imagined in my wildest dreams I would be achieving some of the things I am today. So I think the second one's a tough one just because I'm so open to what the future may hold. But in terms of the first question, I think that one of the things the future me would say to the me now is I'm so glad you didn't give up. I'm so glad that you still continued and that you were focused on the journey and that you kept on adding value into other people's lives, that you embraced humility and you didn't let ego get to you and that you just did what felt best for you at the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, at this point, we like to jump into some questions from our community. So there's a question mm -hmm. from from Tim, and Tim would like to ask you, what would um, what specifically would you say would be like the four or five foundations that he could implement within his life to lead and drive lasting change? So a couple of things that come to mind are sort of put into a structure free because it makes me think easier. So first would be what I mentioned earlier, start designing an environment around you that makes it impossible not to succeed. Ask yourself, is my environment aligned to who and where I want to be? So that would be my first, uh, first tip. The second would be to collapse that gap between idea and execution. You're going to have a lot of ideas tomorrow, next week, next month, over the summer holidays, jot down all of those ideas and collapse that gap between idea and execution. And then the third thing, the third thing would be to cultivate your network, develop your network and find ways to add value. Because the more that you are seen as someone of value, the more that people want you in their own networks. So the second question that comes from our audience is from Craig. And Craig wants to know, bearing in mind the work that you do today, who, who are your biggest influences? Oh, I've got a lot. I've got a lot of influences because I, I don't subscribe to the idea that we should be following one guru. I, I believe that in life, when you are open to learning, you will be inspired by so many people around you and you draw on their influences to cultivate your own philosophy. So just to give you a, a, an example, because I can share a lot of different names, but just to give you a few, when it comes to speaking, I am, I'm a big fan of two people in particular. One is a guy called Dan Heath, 
who is also a fellow author. And a, another guy I'm a fan of is Brian Stevenson, who gave a TED talk in 2012 about the work that he does uh, in, in, as a civil rights attorney. So those two people really influence me when it comes to speaking. When it comes to business strategy, uh, there's two other guys. There's a guy called Chris Doe uh, in America. And here in the UK, there's a guy called Daniel Priestley. Uh, so there's just a few samples of some names that come to my mind when I think about people who are an inspiration or influence me in some way. Amazing. Man, I could talk to you all day. I've been really um, fascinated in what you've had to say, and it's been a fantastic <laughs> conversation. I think what we'd like to close out in is like key thoughts and takeaways. So from your perspective, what are like the lasting messages that you'd like to leave with our audience? Mm. Well, the first thing is taking a couple of things I've said so far, and maybe rephrasing in different ways. The first is that when you truly appreciate how short life is, you can then channel your energy into truly living. Now, what does truly living mean? Truly living means living a life true to yourself, doing the things that give you joy, doing the things that bring you happiness, and focusing on progress over perfection and process over rewards, because then when you enjoy the journey, guess what? The rewards will come, and you become far greater than you ever imagined yourself to be. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Peter, thank you so much for having me. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Made podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Purpose Made wherever you normally get your podcasts to hear the latest news and views. 
You can also find and follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter or contact Peter directly to connect, inquire about Purpose Made or request to be featured on the podcast. We look forward to welcoming you back soon for another episode.